All right, there's this concept that we want to talk about called the Waluigi effect. And it's kind of complicated, or it can be complicated if you want it to be. I'm going to let Michael handle most of the complicated explanations, but I'll at least give you sort of one aspect that I've been thinking about with this. Um, so if you've ever taken a deck of cards... And I'm sure there's a, a term for this, but I don't know what it is. But if you take a deck of cards, put it on the table, and then lay it out to where all the cards are touching the other card, and they're all kind of in a line. And then you take the last card, and you flip it over, and it goes back through the whole deck, and it flips all the cards back over, right? Yeah. I don't know if there's a term for that, but um, it doesn't change the arrangement or the arrangement of the cards, it doesn't change what cards they are, but it flips every single card upside down. So everything is completely different, but yet it's not different. So that one little flip changed everything. And so with the Waluigi effect, there's there's these two characters, which I, I think we all pretty much know who Luigi is. He's the good guy from Mario and, Mario and Luigi, or the, the Mario Brothers. So he's a good guy, but then there's this other character in some of the other games called Waluigi, and he is apparently basically exactly the same as Luigi, but the twisted kind of evil version, the bad guy version. So he's not the opposite of Luigi. He's basically exactly the same, but totally flipped, just like the cards. Um, but I'll, I'll let you sort of explain the more intricate details were. Well, okay. So this was an article posted on Less Wrong by, I think his name was Cleo Nordo, Cleo Nardo, I forget. And we can try to link it. But this is an idea that he presented and I just really fell in love with it. And I, as far as I know, this isn't, this hasn't been around for years and years. I think he's just kind of putting this out there and calling it this. And I, I just really like it. So creating a character is very difficult like luigi if you think about luigi there's a lot that goes into that concept of him you know you picture this guy he's tall he has a mustache he wears overalls he's pretty athletic you know he's got a cool mansion he's got this older brother who kind of hogs the spotlight he kind of has this innocent maybe slightly sad vibe to him you think about the world he lives in which is blocks and goombas and koopas and everything and there, there's other characters like peach and bowser and you think about mario kart and all this stuff like there's this entire universe assembled around luigi and if you think about nintendo and what they did to create that they put out all kinds of games that were incredibly high quality cherished by generations they built this whole thing up and they've created this concept of luigi there is also Waluigi, which literally means bad Luigi. And like you said, it they aren't really opposites. It kind of feels like it. You would think, what's the opposite of Luigi? Good, wholesome Luigi. Well, it's evil, corrupted Waluigi. But really, those things are incredibly similar. It's super difficult to make a Luigi, but if you want to create a bad Luigi, it's trivial. You add a word to the beginning of his name, 
say this is bad luigi and instantly everybody understands what that's going to mean like he's not going to help mario he's going to hurt mario he's not going to try to make the world better he's going to try to make it worse like you're just flipping a bit and then suddenly you have this evil version of something and the article is kind of bringing this up in the context of ai with lots of pretty cool examples and not that we're going to get into ai but it's at least worth kind of mentioning this there's kind of this funny mystery sort of in ai right now with these large language models which is they keep turning bad and we're not super sure why and it can be surprising like microsoft has invested a stupid amount of money into open ai so that they have their special exclusive access to chat gpt and all those tools it's like 10 billion dollars or something and they immediately like hooked this into their bing search engine and you've probably heard these news stories they've been all over but people keep putting stuff into bing and bing is supposed to be this polite helpful kind assistant and it keeps just turning bad like it'll start getting angry and upset at the person and insulting them gaslighting them telling them that they're wrong about basic facts like no that's not today's date it's 2025 like weird weird stuff and it's kind of like why is this happening we set this up to be this nice polite helpful ai assistant why does it keep turning evil and so the crux of this idea in the terms of ai is that the good ai and the bad ai are not opposites they're actually almost the same thing which feels unintuitive but if you if you think about these large language models chat gpt and all that stuff as this kind of big space like a universe of just all these different places you can be and when you put words into them that takes you to some place the, the possibility spectrum of the possible outputs for this language model. You, you, know, you type in one thing, it takes you here, type in something else, it takes you over there, right? So you say you are a kind, helpful assistant who tells the truth. And that takes you to one particular spot in that space. And if you think about that, there's all kinds of things that are having to be modeled like the the AI has to have some notion of what you're saying. If you say the word potato, it has to have some idea of what a potato is some representation of that if you say a cat it knows what a cat is and if you say something like kind and polite it has some model for the idea of politeness or kindness that has to be there somewhere and that's obviously very complex that encompasses all kinds of things it's a very abstract concept to have to model very very hard to do the fact that we have large language models that seem to be pretty good at this is astounding but okay, that's very complicated. So if you say, okay, instead of polite, I want you to be not polite, that same model is still there. You still have to have this model of this very complex thing of politeness or kindness. The only difference between kind and unkind is this tiny little bit where it's just, okay, instead of doing that, just don't do that. Like if you understand kindness, you have to understand unkindness. And so the thinking is that when you're telling the AI to be polite and kind and answer questions truthfully and everything, it's kind of like it's right here in the space and you do a couple little things and it just kind of flips over. It's like, okay, instead of doing this, I'm going to not do this. And now you have this evil AI and they aren't these far opposite things on the opposite ends of the space. They're actually just right next to each other. 
and there's some subtlety to that idea and why that happens and all that but that's kind of the idea with with the ai we're not going to talk about ai today because it's too scary but <laughs> the concept is so fascinating to me that i kind of just want to talk about how this might apply to us as humans who I think, at least in some sense, operate kind of similar to that AI. Like, how does the, the Waluigi effect present itself in a person? Actually, I want you to answer first. Okay. All right. So how does it show up for you? Well, okay. I think it shows up in different ways, and I haven't fully unwrapped this, but there was something that you said months ago. I don't remember what conversation we were having exactly but we were talking about trying to build habits make things unconscious try to get yourself get your life kind of pieced together where you know, you're waking up on time and you're doing the things you're supposed to do and you're eating well and that kind of stuff and you're saying how that's all well and good but sometimes you just hate everything about that you're up at 3 a.m drinking whiskey on the couch, watching reality TV, and you just hate that version of yourself. You want nothing to do with it. It's like this full-on full, full -on rebellion against every single thing that you felt was important and valuable before. And at the time, we just kind of brought that up and said, yep, that's super weird, and that was it. But I think that it actually relates very much to this concept. Essentially... You're constructing a Luigi as you're doing all these things. You're piecing your life together. You're assigning value to stuff. You're kind of using some aspect of your willpower to, to do this stuff. You're building your Luigi and it feels like you're just getting farther and farther away from the bad stuff. But maybe that's not the right way to think about it. Maybe you're actually right on the edge of just flipping that little bit to where suddenly... Yes, you think about all this stuff, you know about it, you see all of it, but you hate it now. You just, you became Waluigi, and it right. turned out to be a really short trip from Luigi to Waluigi. Well, I brought this up then, and I was thinking about it again when we were talking about this, is that Freud had come up with this idea that you had sort of this life drive, you know, to to live and thrive and and procreate and, and exist. But you also had, which this has been largely debated and basically rejected by everyone, but there was enough behavioral evidence for him to develop an entire theory behind this, right? which gives it some credibility, <laughs> in that it, he believed there was this death drive, basically the opposite of everything else. And I felt as if, during that period of time, uh, sometime last year, sort of halfway through the year, I kind of flipped and I became the Waluigi. I had this sort of death drive. Not, I wasn't trying to kill myself. It wasn't that dramatic. But I had this opposite drive where I didn't want to go to bed on time. <laughs> I didn't want to do good things. I didn't want to exercise. I didn't want to eat right. I didn't want to work hard. I didn't want to do all the things that I was trying to do beforehand. And it, it just flipped. I became yeah. exactly that. I became Waluigi. And yeah, I, <laughs> it, it's exactly how you described it. 
it isn't a whole lot different. And okay, so I actually sort of, you know how I've I've been on a roll and everything's been great. You know the last yes, the, yes. I don't know, last month or so. Well, last week on Sunday, Sunday night, you know everything's going great, and I, I feel like I've I've built up all this momentum. But then on Sunday night last week, it's about eleven o'clock, eleven thirty something like that, and I need to go to sleep because I work on Monday morning, right? And I've been trying to go to bed at around 10, 30, 11. But it's like 11 o'clock and Sunday night. And I just wanted to relax for just a little bit. My, my friend had bought me this really nice bottle of whiskey. Uh, Whistle Pig, 10 years. It's, it's really good. It's one of my favorites. Good to know. And I hadn't opened it since my birthday. I was like, I'll just have just a little bit. Just a little bit of whiskey. I'll relax. Just chill out for a little bit. Everything will be fine. Well... I had a little bit of whiskey and then I didn't want to sleep anymore because you don't typically want to sleep when you've been drinking a little bit. And so I just stayed up and I was just, you know, looking through books or whatever, having a good time. And all of a sudden it's 3 a.m. in the morning and I have to get up for work in like three or four hours. And so I eventually go to bed at about three. I wake up the next day. I feel awful. I go to work. All my, mo- my momentum for all the you know, art stuff and everything that's great had just been sort of lost. And I was thinking, okay, well, I'm just tired today. It's fine, whatever. Well, the next day, I feel awful as well. And I skipped my workout on Monday, and I skipped it again on Tuesday because I'm thinking, I just, I have to get, I have to get back to normal. But I'm skipping things, and then I start feeling the switch. And I start feeling, oh, I'm becoming the bad guy again that was here at the end of last year because I don't want to do anything anymore. Now I just, I... I don't want to try hard. I want to give up. Like, I want to aggressively give up on everything. I just want to quit everything. So I eventually did get enough sleep and everything started working again. I feel like I'm right back to where I was. I feel great. But I, I felt the switch start to happen. And what, what I thought was interesting is that, every, you know, two days into me doing bad, it was cause for me not sleeping or whatever, but I started to lose lose that that fact like i know saying it now that it was me not going to bed on time that kind of screwed everything else up but in the moment two days in i'm thinking i suck at art i don't want to exercise anymore i don't want to go to bed on time i don't want to be a person that does any of these things i'm done with everything like i'm just sick i just want to i'm sick of all of this i just want to you know binge watch tv and just you know whatever and i realized that when that kind of thing happens, you question everything, you know, you question the exercise, the, the food, the, the, your goals in life, everything, everything comes into question. But the only thing, the only thing that went wrong when everything was going really, really well was one single thing. I stayed up too late. That's it. That's the only thing that happened. It was just the tiniest little flip. And then everything else came into question. And I'm realizing now, you know, if you go back to any other point in my past, these huge eras of time where I would classify as kind of big failure periods or big failure moments, it's like they could probably be tracked to a single event or something very small that that flipped everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) Okay, so very similar story for me, kind of revealing the same thing. I've 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 been kind of thinking about this 
Well, not kind of. I've been thinking about this a lot. We made our three-month plan thing, right, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. trying to really target three months and, and get some get some important stuff figured out and worked on it done, right? So I we'll talk about this soon because it's coming up, but the big thing that I really focused on last month was exercise. I was struggling with this. I told you before, I was kind of waffling a lot, not sure what to do, thinking about it way too much. Like, I am just going to, I I don't even care that much about what I do specifically. You know, I'll work up some kind of plan, but I want to fully focus on exercising every single day. And it's not just that I want to do it. I want to build my identity around it. I want to feel like I'm the type of person who exercises every day. That's just, that's just what I do. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm hardcore like that or whatever you want to call it every day. I just do exercise of some kind, lifting, running, whatever. And I did every single day in February. I did. And it was difficult, but I started really settling in and it started feeling really good, all this stuff. And part of the strategy, and I, I thought this was brilliant at the time. Now I'm questioning it. But part of the strategy was when I go exercise, especially for uh, the the longer, slower runs that I was doing a couple of times a week. I want to listen to podcasts or YouTube videos, interviews, that kind of thing about the thing that I'm doing or some kind of exercise. And I want to listen to people talk about how amazing it is, how this type of cardio is going to make you live forever. And if you eat keto, which is what I'm doing right now, then it's going to be like, you know, it'll cure cancer and make you smarter and all that stuff. And like I, even at the time, I'm like, okay, I know this is kind of risky. I turn into some kind of like zealoty nut job, but it really helped me build that identity around it where like, this is what I do. And I listen to people talking about what I do. And it just, I'm like, just letting this stuff flow into my head. It makes me excited. It makes me feel really good. I'm just thinking about it all the time, doing it, just killing it. Like February was amazing. Now that's a little cheap because it's a shorter month, but I did it still. And so I kept doing that into this month. And then same scenario, just, I don't know, something. I think I started playing video games too early in the day. That I mean, I, it literally came down to that, where typically I go do the exercise and then I finish up work or whatever, and then I'm kind of settle into entertainment stuff. Well, one of those days, got real frustrated, started playing some games, time dragged on, and then I just wind up procrastinating it and then just don't do it. But same thing, like it's still, I'm still the guy who exercises every day. It's it's not a big deal. You know, I just do it tomorrow. Like, so what? I missed one day of exercise in like six weeks. Who cares? But okay, sure enough, the next day, don't do it. Next day, don't do it. And it, I could feel this happening. Just like you're describing. It's like all of the attention and identity that I had built around this exercise that I'm doing about how important it is for me, how great it is, all this stuff. It's like, I just started to hate all those things where I'm, it's just, it's crazy. You can't exercise every single day. It takes like an hour or more. And who does this? And this is insane. And I'm sure these keto people are just freaking nuts. And I started thinking about every single like opposing piece of evidence I can come up with and how like zone two cardio is just such a scam and it's so boring and it's probably going to give me shin splints again. Like everything is just starting to morph and become bad. And then I'm quickly turning into somebody who hates exercise and just doesn't want to do it anymore. And on the fourth day, it 
very nearly just didn't happen. I like I'm in this bat. I know there's this guilt associated with it, but I I'm just angry at everything in myself and whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to do deadlifts today. That's what's on the schedule. I'm supposed to do them at 11 in the morning. I wound up procrastinating all the way until 630 in the evening. But I had told my wife I was going to do it. And she's like, oh, aren't you going to deadlift? Thought you said, I'm like, yeah, I know, whatever. Wound up doing it. And then it was like the switch just kind of flipped back the other way. You know, I, I do. I'm like, okay, that really wasn't that bad. It's actually, you know, it's fun. It's satisfying. Yes, it's hard, but that's fine. And the next day I go for a run. I'm like, okay, that felt really good too. And I'm like kind of moving back into Luigi mode. But this is what I think is kind of fascinating about that to me is that I thought about this so much and I put so much of my identity and work and attention into this. And it, it, again, it feels like you're just moving off into the sunset into I'm an awesome exerciser dude. But that opposite is like, it's like you're, you're building up this tower and it like it has farther to fall. But I think about other things that I'll do. Like I don't own a car. Technically I do, but it's on the other coast of the country. So if I want to go somewhere, I have to bike or walk. That's just, those are the only options. And so if I'm often enough, especially when the weather's good, you know, I'm going to the store all the time and I bike and I, you know, or walk, whatever, but I'm just doing cardio type stuff all the time. But it's not something I think about because there's nothing to think about. If I need to go to the store, I got to use the bike. Like that's just it. So I don't ride there and ride back and go, oh, this is awesome. I'm so healthy. I'm really doing good. This is so important to me. I identify now as a guy who bikes a lot. Like it's just, it's just what you do. It's the same thing as getting in your car and driving to the store. You don't really think about the fact that you're a car driver and it's a big part of your identity. It's just how you get there. And that does not suffer from this problem at all. I don't miss a day of biking to the store and go, oh man, I suck. I'm not a cyclist. I never, I can't believe I ever thought I could. It's just, it's not something I think about. It's not this deep part of my identity. And so it doesn't have this problem. It doesn't have anything to flip to because it's just not a big deal. Now, I'm not super big on solutions yet, but I think it's worth really thinking about this problem that I'm investing so much time and mental energy into building this identity for myself, thinking that the farther I go, the better off I am not really realizing or thinking about the fact that there's the Waluigi effect where you just flip one thing and now everything is evil and corrupted. Well, okay. On the flip side, I feel as if I am in Luigi mode right now. You know, I'm feeling pretty mm -hmm. good. Things are going well. And I, I credit all the things we've talked about for me being in this place. I have, I have, over the last two years, we have been weeding out all the things that seem to, to bring about, to conjure up Waluigi. Yeah. The, the, the evil version of me. And so, you know, we realized that waking up at the same time or a similar time every day seems to help a lot. We've realized that spending too much time on your phone is really bad. You know, I've gotten rid of, basically completely gotten rid of all time spent on the computer that that's basically gone for for this year so far and i plan to keep it that way yeah. that has helped tremendously to keep me 
in Luigi mode. In fact, I, I think that is a huge contributing factor to why I feel so good right now. But there's so many other things. We have, I mean, if you flip back three years, two or three years to the way I was doing things then versus now, it's it's very different. And so I've, we both have sort of built these structures to try to keep us in Luigi mode yeah. and not evil mode. So when it comes to very simple things like playing games too early or me staying up too late, they now get flagged as big do not do that. <laughs> so, right. you know, it will probably happen again someday in the future. I'm going to stay up way too late. But in the future, I'm going to know the risk involved with the, you know, if I stay up that late, I am saying the next three days are total trash and it's going to take a lot of work to get back on track. That's just the case with staying up late. And, and so these little events get flagged as recognizable events. So you playing games too early? Well, you just learned yeah. that you playing games that early is a big no, don't do that. And and you can you can recognize that now. And so it it's really it only seems bigger now because my Luigi has gotten so big. <laughs> Things have been going really well. So for that to tumble over and and fall apart, it feels even more Mm-hmm. eventful where but in the past it was i'd feel good for two or three days and then i'd feel bad for a couple of days and then it's good and i keep flip-flopping back and forth and they're both kind of just right. just normal i mean you know it's up and then it's down a little bit or whatever but it only becomes it's actually kind of exciting that it feels so opposite and so dramatic because i think the good is getting higher and so i'm I mean, I certainly want to avoid these low lows that come, you know, if you feel like it's all com- coming crashing down. But I, you have to give credit for things going really well, too, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, does that make sense or does that yeah, seem yeah, to line up with? No, that that's a great point that, you know, Waluigi me is, um, you know, it, there's been periods of many months where that's just, that's just me. I just am Waluigi, so you know three days of that is not so bad compared to three months of that uh it just kind of feels that way because it was doing really well you know missing three days of exercise is i mean how many people go three days without exercise every single week probably like 98 percent of people i mean you know i'm doing really really well again because i prioritize this a lot because this was my main goal for myself at the time so yeah it feels way worse because i was doing so well um go ahead well if you're ready to switch are you no (laughs) okay no a couple more things um one i think it's very important to remember that you're never that far away from waluigi and it you need to always have this certain humility about things. You know, that for me, when I'm doing really well, soon enough, I just think of myself that way. Like, yes, I'm really fit and I exercise every day. And so it just feels like I've put so much distance between me and the bad version of myself. And that's the wrong way to think. Because as you said, you make one tiny mistake. You know, oh, I'm just going to have a quick drink. 
even though it's late. And I know that probably this isn't the best idea, but I'm going to do it. It's fine. No big deal. And it just doesn't feel like a big deal. And then you're up and it feels fine. And again, just not that big of a deal. And it winds up just, I, I mean, you wrecked a couple days, but it easily could have been months. I mean, it could have just been, okay, now you're in Waluigi mode for indefinitely. That's totally happened before. And looking back, it's like, what did I do wrong? Oh, just this tiny thing. And it totally spiraled. You have to maintain that humility of, yes, I'm doing really good. And it won't take much to just obliterate that. I do think that if you're if you're there for a very long time, I do think it gets easier or you're able to recover quicker. You know, both of us did manage to get back. So that needs to be said, but it was still, it took a ton of willpower on my part uh, and it, it didn't have to go that way. It could have been really bad. So the humility around that I think is important. The other is that, like I was saying with the me biking to the store versus me choosing to go out for a run, um, I think there just, there is something risky or maybe that's not the right word but fatiguing about investing so much energy and thought and deliberation and everything into doing something you know i want the the morning runs or the morning lifting session to just be unconscious or not unconscious but just something i just do i don't really think about it that much i'm not making decisions around it and i recognize that pretty early and have been working on it but even still, you know, I'm, I'm firing up a podcast and listening to it and thinking about all this stuff and here's the latest research and I'm, you know, putting a lot of just, I don't know, attention on myself. I'm doing a run. I'm checking the numbers. What was my pace? How was my heart rate? You know, how did that compare to last time? Am I trending up? Am I trending down? There's just all this mental effort going into that. And I think that's okay, but I think it does present this risk where so much of that means that you know, again, you're kind of constructing this character that can kind of flip to the evil character and getting it into a place where you aren't thinking about it so much, where you just go do the thing every day at the same time. And it's just sort of automatic. I'm not there yet, but that's what I'm really working towards. You know, I, to me, that's a, a big goal where I, I just don't want to be thinking about it as much because I think when you aren't, when it's more unconscious, you're less likely to, to turn into Waluigi. Okay, well, now I have two things. Okay, let's back up to your previous point. In in the article we talked about, he was saying that bad guy, Waluigi, is nice sometimes. He has all the same qualities as Luigi. He's He can be nice, but secretly it's deceitful, whatever. He can, right. I don't know, he can do all the things that Luigi does sometimes, but he also does the evil things. Luigi, the good guy, does all the good things, never does the bad things, right? That's not in his programming. So if right. he ever did the bad things, he would be Waluigi, right? He wouldn't be Luigi. He would, he would reveal himself to have been Waluigi all along. He was just lying and pretending to be nice. Yes, exactly. Because in Luigi's character, there are no bad things, right? Yeah. He's, a, he's a good guy. Yeah. So with ourselves, when we are in sort of that that higher state where we feel like everything's going really great and, you know, we're killing it, whatever. And this can be interpreted many different ways. Sure. But generally, when you are doing really well, you see yourself as being really successful, things are going the way you want them to go, you're doing it. 
And then all of a sudden you screw up one thing or you screw something big up, whatever. All of a sudden you are not Luigi anymore. You are Waluigi. Your, your whole identity goes, wait a minute, successful Dan doesn't do bad things. I guess I'm not successful, Dan. I am bad guy, Dan, or I am failure, Dan. I am the bad version of me. And that's when you were talking about uh, last week, you're talking about typing and you hit one wrong thing. You type it wrong. All of a sudden you, you feel this flood of emotions like, oh, I, I hate this. This is stupid. I, I hate myself, whatever. You just sort of devolve right. into this, this emotional thing, which I've, absolutely felt that same way if i do a really bad drawing i start thinking god i suck at drawing i should never have become an artist why did i start so late in life this is i'm wasting my life doing this thing i should quit and it it's in a split second you just feel this way all this all the is it all of a sudden or all of a sudden i thought it was all of a sudden and i thought you were wrong for saying all of a sudden but i have after realizing that and paying more attention to it i have heard other people say all of a sudden okay, and well if you really think about it neither one of them makes a ton of sense like all of a sudden all of the sudden it's all the sudden i don't know i don't think it's very important whatever it's time to bring that up though because it's been years so i know well people keep pointing out things the way i say them and you are whatever. not the only person who says that although it is less common okay instantly if you make a big mistake, your brain switches to, wait a minute, that's not part of the programming. That's not part of your character as successful you. You must not be successful you. You, may, you must not be Luigi. You are Waluigi. And then everything flips and you, you compl your perception of yourself totally changes. Yep. And well, I, I don't know what to do about that. I just think it's really interesting. Well, I have, okay. I know you had another point to make, but can I interject here? Because it relates yes. to what you just said. So I was listening to, I think I might've mentioned this last week too, but I was listening to a podcast from Andrew Huberman on mindfulness and meditation. And I highly recommend this particular podcast from him. He actually does research around this uh, and he's just really in his element talking about this particular thing. One of the more interesting parts was He's talking about some study. I don't remember the exact details on this, but if you were to look up that episode, you could find it, I'm sure. But they're looking at these expert meditators. Maybe I talked about this before. It sounds, the words coming out of my mouth feel familiar. So sorry if I'm repeating myself. But okay, they're looking at these expert meditators and they're comparing them to amateurs who, you know, don't meditate. And they expert, were... Sorry, maybe I shouldn't laugh at that, but expert meditators... Is there like competitions or? Yeah, they were at the, I don't know. They were the, they Competing beat out all meditate. the other meditators. Yeah. None of those second rate. I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Sorry to offend Gurus, people, meditators. whatever. Okay. They're testing them by playing these tones and they're, I think this was an fMRI type of thing where they're looking to see if the part of their brain lights up that is hearing the, the tones. Like, are they paying attention to these tones or are they thinking about something else? And they can tell this by which brain region lights up, right? So they play these 20 tones and they they look at the, the noob meditators and the expert ones and they're trying to see the difference. And it, at first, 
seemed like the the expert meditators were better focused and the amateur ones just can't focus as well so everybody starts out listening to it but then the amateurs their mind kind of wonders and that's that and so it was kind of considered like well they just can't hold their attention in one place for as long but once instrumentation got better and they're able to like look closer at this it was found out that that's not really what's happening that the expert meditators i'm just going to keep using that term sure because it feels right they actually had the same type of thing happening where their mind would go somewhere else, but they were so much better at pulling it back to the thing that they're trying to pay attention to. So it wasn't technically that they had a better focus. It's that they had better recall of their attention to the correct thing. And I find that very fascinating. One, because if you are meditating or trying to do any type of mindfulness where you're trying to keep your mind on one thing, it kind of changes the narrative in your head of, oh, I keep, my mind keeps wandering out of hold it in one place. It's more like I need to get better at immediately pulling it back. Like that's the thing that I'm training. And so when your mind wanders off, it doesn't really evoke that feeling of, oh, I suck. I'm bad at this. It's more like, oh, here's an opportunity to strengthen that, that thing, pulling your mind back. But I think the implications are way bigger where you know, you're, you experience these moments where you become Waluigi. It's like, you know, oh no, I was Waluigi the whole time. I'm not awesome. I kind of suck because awesome version of me doesn't do this kind of stuff and doesn't stay up till 3 a.m. and then feel like crap at work and then I can't do all the stuff I wanted to do. It, it, it does that to you. But I think there's a lot of value in thinking about how Really, it's the recovery. Obviously, you don't want to do that in the first place. I'm not saying you do, but uh, these things just happen, whether it's your fault or whether it's external circumstances or who knows what. Like, you could blame your friend for giving you the bottle of whiskey. I don't know. Stuff happens. But the the muscle you're trying to train or the thing you're trying to get really good at is very quickly returning to the original thing. Like, go back to Waluigi. I mean, go go back to Luigi and not be Waluigi as fast as you can. That's the thing you're trying to get really good at, not just never flipping in the first place. Although obviously that matters too. Well, I give you a lot of credit for this, for helping me, whether you've helped yourself or not. I don't know, but for me, from the beginning of this, you sort of drilled in my head that you have say, or, the minimum of what you do is really important. I was always trying to go into something and, and you know, go level 100 right off the bat all the time, always. And of course, I would fall short of that. And then you feel like a failure, whatever. But like with the pull-up challenge, you were mm-hmm. saying like we were trying to do pull-ups every day. And you you decide on a very low minimum number. So that keeps you going every day you do at least a tiny little bit. It's not about doing your absolute max every day. It's about doing just enough to continue doing it because the long-term benefits are way bigger than any short-term high effort activity that you do. Like the the two-minute challenge that we did. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from doing that because it was focusing on longevity and doing things for long periods of time rather than focusing on large amounts of effort, which is hugely more beneficial in the long term 
than than that. So for me, and this should tie in with Luigi and Waluigi, but it's important it's important to know that when you make those mistakes, those little mistakes, your brain wants to flip and think, oh my God, I'm I'm the unsuccessful version of you. You know, you we've been kidding ourselves this whole time. We are we are Waluigi. But it's the reason why that's happening is because your mental model of a successful you does not include mistakes. Okay? So you make the mistakes, all of a sudden everything comes into question. You're no longer successful you, you're failure you. Mm -hmm. It's important to know that you will make mistakes. And yes, I know everyone always says, everyone makes mistakes, blah, blah, blah. But hardly any of us actually factor that in to our schedules, into our our day to day. We we never really factor that in. And so with us doing these this three month plan and sort of aiming for, for bigger goals or whatever, I'm trying to factor in as much of that as I possibly can. I'm trying to do um, pull-ups every day. Well, instead of just trying to do a bunch of pull-ups every single day, I'm trying to have a minimum and trying to, you know, at the very least, I can do one pull-up. Yeah. And because I have that low, that low bar or yeah, that low level of entry into, into that thing, I can do it every single day. I've only missed two days so far. It's been almost three months, which wow. has been great. I've never done that before. Yeah. So some days I feel great and I, I do a lot more, but then other days I just got to hit the thing and keep moving because in the long term it makes more sense. So what I'm saying is change your, your mental model of your yourself, your successful self, into it, including the mistakes and those, those screw-ups. So that way... You can plan for them in your schedules, in your whatever. Plan for days where you screw things up. You need to have a strategy in place to get back on track. Um, so, yeah, I I give you a lot of credit for, for that yeah. well, way of thinking. It, it's kept me moving, kept, yeah. keeps me uh, moving forward. Um, I will take yeah. it. Thank you. That makes me feel good. So... <laughs> I, and I, I've tried to implement that myself in a lot of things like that, that kind of window where, okay, here's where I am at my best. And I'm hoping that that eventually gets better. But also this is the bottom of the window where I can do this minimum thing. And that's, that's enough. Like that is actually enough if I accomplish that. So one thing I've kind of noticed from that is there's so much mental narrative happening all the time. And it, at least for me, it's almost impossible to not do this where okay, the three days of missed exercise. At the end of that, I'm like, I suck. I probably lost all the progress that I made in the past six weeks. I'm a total blob. I hate myself. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, you know, it wasn't great. And right. so I go back, you know, the, that fourth day, I've managed to do deadlifts. And I'm thinking, okay, minimum is five. Like, this is fairly heavy. This is the top set. I just... I'm going to phone it in today. I just need to get this done. I don't feel strong. I don't feel good. I know I haven't eaten that well. I don't think I've slept that well. Whatever. Just get it done. Right? Start doing it. I'm like, wow, feel pretty good. Go. I went all the way to 10. Like did literally double the, the reps I needed to do for the top set. I'm like, sweet. That actually felt really good. The next day I go for a run and I'm like, you know, I already missed a solid two sessions of run. 
or running. Like, I don't feel good. I'm just going to get out there and, you know, I'll just get the intervals done. I know I need to, you know, run fast intervals this many times, whatever. I have the programming, but I'm like, I'm just going to hit the minimums. But a couple minutes into the first interval, I'm like, wow, I feel feel great. I'm just going to, I'm just going to run. Like, I'm not going to worry too much about it. And I wind up PR and, you know, I run faster intervals than I ever have for that, that run template before. I'm like, oh, okay. Like all the, all the stuff that was in my head thinking, you know, oh, today I'm just going to do what I need to do. And you know, that's it. Like, none of that was real. It was just me creating this idea in my head. Like I'm thinking I'm Waluigi. I'm not, I'm actually fine. Three days is not that not that long to miss. Like, so what if I didn't eat perfectly? It's not a big deal. On the flip side, there's been other days where you're like, okay, I slept well. I've been eating well. Today should be killer. I'm going to set my all-time best at this thing. And you wind up just doing terrible. I'm like, oh, never mind. I guess not. It's just, it's really hard to actually know where you're at. I, it's almost kind of like the Dunning-Kruger effect where... In the absence of any real data, you're always, you're just kind of guessing where you're at. You really don't know how good you are at something. And it's just this big pitfall where I, I can't imagine how many workouts I've done in the past where I I did less than I should have because I'm thinking, oh, I um, didn't sleep well today. I didn't do good. And then other times where I push too hard because I'm thinking I need to do really well and I'm, for whatever reason, not in that kind of shape. So because the point is, I think having that kind of minimum window and operating in this sort of range, like thinking of yourself as I can exist inside of this range can really help to get outside of your own head a little bit to where, okay, I'm just going to do pull-ups today. I don't feel that great. All I got to do is hit the minimum number and that's that. And then some days that's exactly what you do and that's totally fine. And other days you're like, whoa, I feel great. And you wind up you know, doing your, your best set ever. That's what I right. found to be true anyway. No, this is exactly in line with what I've been thinking as well. So you were saying that you can work really hard. You can, you know, run whatever you're pushing yourself. You're trying to exercise every day and that is mentally straining and, and it's tough to do. I mean, you're doing it and you're still proud of it, but when you bike to the store or whatever, that feels natural to you, right? There's really no I mean, there's there's some mental effort, I'm sure, put in, or physical effort put into that, but right. it feels natural to you. You are in an environment where that is necessary, so you just kind of accept it and you do it, right? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make that feel bleed into everything else that I that I do. So, it if you flip this, you working out every day and and being that you know, type of person in your mind. I'm trying to do that with art, but I'm trying to do it very carefully and keep it connected to all the things that feel natural to me. That's what I've been talking about the last few weeks is that I'm okay. trying to, so it's like with the bike ride, if, if you want to push yourself physically, extend the environment out further, you know, so you're just extending your bike rides, whatever, maybe not a good example, but I'm, I'm trying to be very careful about what feels natural and what doesn't feel natural. And that, that narrative where, you know, I'll be working on something and then I think, oh, now I'm good. I'm finally good. You know, now I'm a great artist, whatever. And then next week I can be this good. And then, the you know, next year I'll be really good. You know, and you, your yeah. stupid 
narrative mind just keeps going on and on. And then, of course, that totally screws you up. And what I'm realizing is that I want to obliterate the narrative. It didn't exist when I was a kid. It didn't exist when I did this stuff just for fun. So why the hell does it exist now? I don't know where it came from. It, at part of just being an adult, I guess you start thinking in these very specific narrative-driven ways, whatever. And I'm, I'm sure it has its place. But when it comes to me doing art, I'm trying to get rid of it almost completely. And instead, I'm trying to focus on setting up an environment. Like, maybe I think about, you know, where I want to be, and, and that could count as narrative. But I don't want to be in that headspace for long at all. I only want to be there long enough to choose a destination, to to sort of create this environment or submerge myself into an environment like the bike rides, you know, you're biking to the coffee shop, whatever. I think about myself, where I want to be, whatever. That might be the narrative. I choose a coffee shop, you know, artistically though. Okay, I want to come up with these types of drawings. And then I stop thinking about it. No more narrative. Mm -hmm. You just do the thing. And so I've caught myself, you know, I'll, I'll do a bunch of, of work that feels very natural. You know, I'm drawing, I'm drawing, everything feels very natural. At the end of those two hours or whatever, I step back and normally what I would do is get out my notebook and just jot down like, you know, five little pages of of thoughts of what I should do next and how to improve and blah, blah, blah. But what I've realized over the past year or so is that I hardly ever actually do those things. I just think about them and they become this poisonous narrative in my mind to where when I actually go to draw again, instead of actually doing all the things that I thought about doing, I'm just sort of feeling them in this weird poisonous way that keeps me from relaxing. It's very strange, but my my new sort of goal is to just cut that cut that off a few minutes in. So if I do two or three hours of really good drawing that feels natural, at the end of it, I'll think, you know, I switch into my self one, my more analytical self, whatever. I'm not free flowing, natural feeling ideas, whatever. I just, I'm sort of analyzing what's happened. And I think uh, maybe I should work on hands more because, you know, if I look at all my work, I'm okay, my hands are suffering. I should work on that. That's it. And then I just step away. That's, that's all the analyzing that I need. And then the next few days, I can just kind of work on hands. And that, that's all I need to know. All I need to know is what to do in the moment, what to do in the present right now and then you know after the three months or whatever i can think about you know bigger goals or whatever but i'm trying to diminish that narrative as much as possible mm -hmm. and i'm having very good results with it um yeah i i think i'm slowly starting to understand this concept that you you've been pushing the past few weeks it like with the exercise I know I keep coming back to this, but that's it's been my big priority for the past almost two months. So uh, that's just what I've been doing. But like with the running, I'm pretty new to running, suffering still from some of those issues of, you know, oh, am I good? Am I bad? Whatever. Am I progressing fast enough? Those kinds of things. And I, I there is a place for that. I think you need to evaluate yeah. how you're doing at some points or else you could just wind up doing something that's not really working and do it indefinitely. But one of the things that I've been working on as part of the running is what they call zone two running, zone two cardio, where you try and keep your, your heart rate in this very specific zone. And the heart rate is kind of a marker of some of the physiological processes that are happening, where you're basically, you're trying to use um, 
your fat oxidation system and the oxygen coming in, like you're using this particular energy system of your body. And it's pretty unintuitive, at least certainly for me as somebody who, who lifts, because lifting, for the most part, you're trying to just go pretty hard. You know, you, you want to finish a set without being able to do more than maybe one or two reps. Like you're, you're trying to get close to your limits, but with this zone two cardio stuff, you're, you aren't like you're actually staying at a very kind of low, moderate intensity level. And you're trying to stay there for a long time so that you can train this energy system in your body. And if you go harder where you're, you're just running faster, <clears throat> your heart rate goes up, then you're kind of move out of this energy system and you're not really training that anymore weird idea to me but the science seems to make sense and it certainly works well for many many people so anyway i've been doing that and it you know i go for these long runs and i'm looking at my pace i'm watching my heart rate with a chest strap and i'm like oh, okay it's a little too like i'm trying to keep the heart rate in range the pace is obscenely slow i have to go at first i couldn't even do it like if i started jogging at all i would go out of the heart rate zone more than a couple minutes so it's like jog a little bit walk jog a little bit walk right but i'm just i'm doing these long runs and i'm just constantly checking things and like oh it's not that great and I, whatever i'm super frustrated with just where i'm at i feel like i'm going so ridiculously slow like you know 85 year old grandma is like burning past me because you know i'm just doing like 15 minute miles or something like basically jogging in place with like a nice gentle forward drift and i'm so frustrated and all this stuff and eventually i'm like this makes no sense either this is a good training method or it's not but everyone says this takes forever it's a very slow adapting system so what am i doing why am i thinking about this so much i'm just going to do it like if i need to walk i need to walk i don't care i'm just gonna do it and so I would go out and I, I don't care how many grandmas are running past me or whatever. I try to figure out the best, most, you know, scenic route around the, you know, my neighborhood and everything. I figured out I can actually make it out by the river if I go this certain way. And so I'm by the water. It's really nice. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm going to stay in the target zone. And that's that. And for quite a while, it's still just stupid slow. And, you know, it sucks. I'm like, well, I, I don't care anymore. I don't care just going to do this. If after six months, it doesn't work, I'll reevaluate, but I'm just going to do this. And then one day I go out I'm like, wow, the heart's just really staying lower and okay, whatever. Like, I'm not going to think about it too much. I'm just going to run. And then sure enough, I finish. I'm like, wow, that was three minutes. Like my mile pace was almost three minutes faster than it has been before. And then, you know, it, it kind of hovered there for a while. Like, oh, it's not getting better. I'm like, nope, not going to think about it. Just going to do it. Just going to enjoy and then, you know, I kind of make it past the next step and it wind up speeding up. And now I'm jogging for an hour instead of 40 minutes. And now I can make it out to the, the next bridge. All this, like these good things are happening. But it it's like the amount of mental energy went from 100 to zero or one. It was right. like, I didn't need to worry about this. It didn't help me. It didn't help to be looking down every 30 seconds and checking my watch and going, oh, the pace is like four seconds higher than I wanted it to be, whatever. Like it just, it didn't matter. The same thing happened. And I, I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, but I feel like it's kind of similar. No, this is exactly what I'm saying. And if you rewind about six years, I was, I wanted to get into running. Because previously, I had only played sports, whatever, where you just run really fast for a short amount of 
of time. But then we, we started having these little 5Ks and stuff at work. So I wanted to start running a little bit. So I asked my, my friend there, who is now a ultra runner. I've mentioned her before, but like wow. the type of people that run 60, 100 mile races. Yeah. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. Just in case anyone needed to know that. But she's now an ultra runner. Back then she was, you know, doing marathons and stuff. But I asked her, I was like, how do I, how do I run? Cause I go outside and I try to run and I just feel awful and things are terrible. What I was telling her how frustrated I was and how much it sucked, whatever. And she's like, no, no, no. You know, from what I can remember, she's, you know, no, no, no. Don't, don't try to run fast, whatever. The only thing you need to do is go at a, a grandma pace at the beginning. And the only thing you focus on is feeling good. That's it. You just try to feel good. And so that's what I did. And it, it slowly started to just make sense. I mean, I come in at a grandma pace, literally running so slow. Yeah. And I'm just focused on feeling good. Just exactly what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, you're running faster. You're running longer. You're doing all this stuff. That's what I'm trying to do with, with art and, and with music. It's at the end of the race or when you're done running, then you can check your heart rate. But what was it? just out of curiosity, then we can think about it. You know, what are you messing up in your drawings? Well, at the end, you can think about it. You know, how could you have made the music better? At the end, you think about it, you review later. But in the moment, when you're actually doing the thing, the only thing you really need to think about is, is your natural self feeling good? That's the part of you that feels good or doesn't feel good, okay? So if the answer is yes, it feels good, then nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, that is the correct answer. So you feeling good while you run, that is the right answer. That gives you better results than you giving it a 110% trying your absolute hardest and, and bullheading your way through it. It gives you better results. And I draw better when it just feels good, okay? I do better work than when I'm trying hard. I write better music. Like, uh, I, yeah. I play in this little band at work whatever and sometimes you just kind of solo or whatever and I'm, I'm trying to apply the same stuff that i'm learning from art to the music and when i just focus on what feels good my natural self does better than when i try really hard it's the sword and the stone you know if you try too hard whatever if your heart isn't pure you can't take it out like you have to not care you have yeah. to just feel it and, and be good and feel natural. And then all of a sudden, the sword is, is yeah. coming out of the stone. Yeah, and I, I think there's something really subtle but important here, which is, you know, I, in a sense, I was trying just as hard as before. I, I was running as much as before. The pace was the same. I was, you know, giving as much physical effort as before. I just wasn't worrying about it in the same way. I, I, I didn't have the same thought process around it. You know, I would go out and I would try to feel good. I would just try to mentally settle into what I was doing and not be upset at myself or worried or constantly analyzing like that. Just the analysis didn't help. It doesn't do anything, but it made it feel so much harder. I, I go out there and I get done and I'm like, I could finish this hour-long training session and then be angry about it afterwards. Like, oh, it wasn't as good as right. it should have been and all this stuff. Like, I still did it. And there's, like, you still push yourself 
when it's the right time to push yourself. It's not that there isn't effort. It's that there isn't anguish and there isn't hyper analysis and everything. I, I, because you're when you're doing i think this is the same for physical things and and you know mental things and arts and all of that stuff you do need to push yourself at times but there's there's something different about being uncomfortable and angry and you know constant analysis mode always in self one when you should be in self two like there's there's that and it feels hard but and and then contrast that with when you feel really good, you know, I get out there, I've been running for 10 minutes and I'm like, wow, I feel great. I'm going to go a little farther today. Cause it just, it feels like it's no big deal. Or, right. you know, I'm going to go ahead and do the five extra deadlifts for this top set because I don't know, it just, it feels good. Like I, I'm still pushing, but it's a different kind of pushing it. Like it feels right. It feels more natural. Yes, and that's exactly what I've been trying to talk about for the last few weeks. And it's it's hard to describe, but yeah. and and people have been actually not so many people talk about this. There's one show that I listened to where where they sort of addressed this thing and they would kind of harp on it and I always tried to tried to include it in my work, but it was always kind of difficult. And now I think I finally get it. It's yes, you want to push yourself, but in a different way from a different angle and yeah i've just i'm really enjoying this kind of new i don't want to call it even a new way of thinking it's just a a different order of thinking you analyze later in the moment you you shut up you stop thinking in in quantifiable thoughts and you you only flow with things that feel natural to you that's all you need uh, and then later you can you can go back and kind of analyze it, but don't go too far down that road because then it'll it'll create that narrative where next time you have to do good because that's mm-hmm. what your your self one wants. Right. But you don't you don't want that. You don't want any expectation. You want to just go in and feel good, perform, and then yeah. yeah. Okay. And How, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to try and tie this back a little bit to what we. Like the right. theme here, which is the Waluigi effect. So we're on a bit of a tangent, but here's how I feel like it relates. And it's that I think you're at most at risk of you know flipping from Luigi to Waluigi in this state of overthinking and mental narrative and everything. Like you yes. said, you you make a mistake or something doesn't work right, and it it it's this moment of I was Waluigi all along. I've been, it's fake. I'm not actually good. I'm not actually doing well. Like all that stuff just suddenly bubbles up and you, you start really identifying as, as bad Luigi now. But if it becomes more unconscious and it's more natural and it's not something that's, you, know, you, you aren't being self one the whole time, hyper analyzing, then you're just at less risk for that. Like you're you're more just trusting what what feels good. And if it doesn't feel good, you aren't building a big narrative out of that. You're just saying, this doesn't really feel good right now. Maybe it's not the right day for it. Maybe, I don't know, there's some external factor that you don't know about or who knows what, you know, maybe it's just the randomness of the thing that you're doing. It just doesn't really feel that great, but it doesn't turn into this big narrative that can wind up putting your mind in the wrong place. It's just It just is what it is. And you kind of accept and you you don't go through that whole cycle to me that's really a major part of, of what can cause this to happen like i said the you know 
I can do tons of cardio incidentally by just having to bike around town and walk all the time. And I don't think about it. And it never turns into me getting into a rage and becoming Waluigi because I just don't really think about it. And I, that's my goal, my dream for the, the other exercise that I do, like the training is that I don't, I don't really, I want to think about it the minimum amount, like enough to where I know it's, it's the right thing to do and I can make those evaluations, but no more. I just want it to be a thing that just happens at 1030 in the morning every day. It just does. And it's not, not something to even analyze. It's just part of what I do. Right. So, okay, let's switch into concrete things you can do to stay in Luigi mode. Part of what has been helping me is setting all of these systems in place. And you, you say systems and people probably go, oh, I don't want to, that sounds boring, whatever. But they are systems that make me happy. Like waking up at the same time and then spending yeah. a little time in my room. That's a very pleasant experience where I can then sit down and draw. And so like you with the workout stuff, it's become very enjoyable to me. I'm, I'm trying to make the things I want to feel natural as enjoyable as possible. Just like in you know, the biking, you're going through, I mean, in your neighborhood, there's like flowery fields and stuff. I mean, you're going through really pretty places. That mm -hmm. is pleasant. So next time you run, make sure your, your running route is pleasant. Make sure you enjoy where you're going. Um, you know, find ways of tying in things you just love to do into what you're doing. Make the hard thing less hard. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, also, well, I don't know. What are some things that you do to stay in good Mike uh, Luigi mode? <laughs> well, it's so it's still kind of a new concept for me. So I'm not 100% sure yet, but probably the biggest one in my mind well, okay, I, I think what you're saying is super important. So maybe that could be the biggest is just building these, you know, simple pieces of your life and making them enjoyable and fun. Like that might be the biggest factor. But a close second is that humility thing is recognizing that you're not that far from Waluigi. You, you know, you, right. I, I don't know, if, I've been calling this winner's tilt. And we mentioned this last week, how... We're kind of using that term to mean different things, but to kind of use the other definition, I think when you're doing really well, it just builds this overconfidence in yourself where you're like, yeah, this is me. This is what I do. I remember once, I won't say who this was, um, but somebody uh, decided to become a vegan and a couple days later, like I'm eating, you know, a steak or something and they go like, oh, that's so gross. How do you eat that? Like you've been vegan for like an hour. What are you talking about? You, I ate steak with you a couple days ago. Relax. And okay, whatever. And they're not, they didn't last very long, but just because you identify a new way doesn't mean like now you're a totally different person far from that person you were a couple days ago. And I think that's just a, a mental pitfall that we all fall into. Me for sure, where I'm doing really well and I just think I'm the type of person who exercises every day. That's so cool. I get super hardcore. But no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not very far from me just a few weeks ago. 
and right. just always remembering that like with with alcoholism if you're somebody who suffered from being an alcoholic and you know you get clean and you're sort of living that life like that's a major part of the philosophy which is you think of yourself as a recovering alcoholic not as somebody who used to be an alcoholic and isn't like you have to respect the fact that you're never far from that and i i think that's for me really important like i never get that overconfidence of okay fine i don't have to i don't have to struggle with this stuff anymore I do like I have to respect the fact that even the tiniest little mistake can really put me off and it can send me back into Waluigi mode. And that's just, you know, I hope that, that continues to improve, to become less likely. And I hope that I can recover faster. Like that's my goal. But I don't think it's ever a good idea to just think like for you, you said you've been killing it for the past, you know, month and a half. You're not far from the yeah, yeah. month and two weeks and one day ago. Like you're just, it's not that it's it's not far off like you just always have to respect that yeah agreed so it, when i say i'm killing it or whatever i just mean it, no i know i feel I like mean, i yeah um it, it doesn't you're always Luigi translate right to yeah 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 okay so there's if you can identify some triggers that sort of bring out the waluigi that they bring out the the failure part of you if you can identify them you can kind of either get rid of them or learn how to get over them if you think of if you think of a dog that otherwise is so perfect you have a perfect dog that's super nice to people gets along with other dogs whatever they're wonderful they're perfectly trained whatever but has this weird one flaw where if it sees a cat, it wants to kill, obliterate, and murder the cat, okay? So there's two things you can do. The very quick and easy way to deal with that problem is to, of course, keep it away from cats, right? And that solves, let's say, 99% of the problem, right? It no longer sees cats, so it's hardly even a problem that you notice. But on the off chance that a cat jumps into your backyard or whatever, you then have that 1% problem, and it's a big problem, okay? So there's there's two ways to deal with it. One is remove it from the environment. Remove the cat from the environment. Number two is actually train it out of the dog, which is much harder, uh, you know, arguably much longer, whatever. But that's, of course, the one that you actually want. But until you get to that point, you want to remove it from the environment. So you do both of them at the same time. Yeah. No more cats and let's start training, you know, to keep you from killing cats. And then and then you're golden. So with the Waluigi thing, it's it's the cat. Uh so if you have problems that seem to trigger this this thing that trigger you into flipping, like me staying up late, I'm going to I'm staying up late may not be a good example, but First, I'm going to try to make sure that, okay, let's, I don't have a problem with drinking, but let's say that drinking, you know, keeps me up. And I mean, it did in this one instance, but I'm going to remove the cat. I'm going to get rid of all the alcohol in the house, whatever. And if, you know, that's my biggest problem, then I've solved like 95% of it. Just, you know, remove the alcohol. But then I want to work on, I don't know, other things. Okay, maybe that metaphor didn't go through, but you get the you get the yeah. idea. Like, you want to train it out of you, but 
first off, get it out of the environment. Like, try to root it out and get rid of it. Um, well, so okay. you're not triggering this Waluigi thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of what I've been doing for the last couple of years. I just didn't realize it, is that I'm, I'm coming up with systems that kind of help me stay on track, like waking up at the same time. I'm not sleeping in, because when you sleep in, it does the same thing. It, it just pushes everything back. It screws up your whole schedule. That's what I've realized about myself. So now I have a little system in place where I kind of wake up at the same time every day. And, you know, just stuff like that. Well, sorry, I know this was just supposed to be kind of this metaphorical comparison thing, but I can't help but think about actually training our dog because, so my dog, Guster, he's a wonderful Luigi of a dog, just the sweetest little dude, but there's one thing that will turn him into Waluigi, and that is puppies. He hates puppies, just freaking hates them. And I don't know, some people don't like kids and maybe it's just kind of a similar thing for him. He just doesn't like, doesn't like little dogs. I know you, your computer's about to shut off, so I'll make it quick. But he sees a puppy and he just like, I mean, he's, he's never violent or anything, but he just snaps at him and growls and like wants to bully them around. He's just kind of a jerk to puppies. And so we very early on when we first got him, we kind of seen this like, what the hell, man? Why do you hate puppies? whatever we hired a trainer for like a couple sessions and i like just any naive person i'm like well we should just yell at him when he yells at the puppy and that'll fix but no of course not and so her prescription was well first you need to remove any bad experience that he has with a puppy you know if there's a puppy in the dog park then you just don't do it or you stay far away and like you don't ever want him to get into that state where he's really you know angry and you know bullying a puppy avoid that and then obviously just avoiding it isn't the only strategy you also want to try and you know train him to not hate puppies so what you would do is you know stay far away and then reinforce just the tiniest simplest little things of okay he sees the puppy and he's not pissed cool here's like some dog treats and stuff awesome job you did a you did great not losing it over the puppy that's half mile away and then you just like slowly build up from there trying to train the good behavior so it's like a combination of both of those things kind of paired together coming at it from both ends well that's perfect because let's say me staying up really late and kind of screwing up my schedule that's a puppy and (laughs) and me knowing or, or me sort of learning that it's okay like this does happen I see puppies sometimes. Right. <laughs> so stupid. But th- these these bad things pop up from time to time. That's okay. It doesn't need to send me into an angry, snarling, yeah. you know, episode. It's okay. Like, I, I'll deal with it for two days, whatever. My priorities need to shift from not making good art. You know, I can draw a little bit, but that's not so important. What's important is that I get to bed on time and I get mm-hmm. back on track where I just kind of start getting back into the swing of things. It's not time to PR. It's not time to to max out wh- whatever. It's just time to get back in really softly, really right. calmly, just get back to things. Right. You try and like you avoid the puppy, but then you know it's going to happen and you kind of train yourself to be okay with the puppy and not get pissed. And you <laughs> I love that we're using a puppy as a yeah. thing, but apparently it's but pretty yes. common in dogs. So, who knew? Okay, well, I'm 
I'm good with with that. We only got yeah, a and minutes left. So. Yeah, we're we're. I like that we always start talking a little faster, more frantically right. as it's coming up on uh, 10.30 your time. All right, cool. Well, that that's it then. This was such a cool idea for me, like encountering this. Thank you to, I already forget this person's name um, from Less Wrong, but really fascinating idea. I It just feels like it applies to me a lot. So thanks. And as always, any anyone out there, let us know if this is something you experienced too and what your thoughts are. Cool. See you next week.